I was, uh, I finished up the book of Ezekiel this morning. I, I am a very practical preacher. I, I have a hard time understanding those prophetical books, the book of Ezekiel and all those types and pictures. I, I just don't get it, uh, a lot of it. Of course, I have to find a, a, theologian, or a theologian or a theological book and read it and, and hope that they got it straight, too. Um, but I was sitting here this morning, and I... I read verse 35, the last chapter of the book of Ezekiel, and uh, that chapter is 48, I believe. And Ezekiel had been describing the, the measurement of the city. And then he said it was round about 18,000 measures, and I just have me one of them overwhelming shouting fits when it said that the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. <laughs> That's where I want to live. <laughs> uh, I kind of like the name of that city. Uh, I guarantee it's not Murfreesboro, Tennessee, nor McLeansville, amen. Uh, but the Lord is there. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, I love you. I thank you for your kindness. Thank you for all the prayers that's been made this morning. And uh, Father, I, I need you again today. I need you every single second of my life. And Lord, I thank you for these men and these dear folks that have come, Lord, seeking, seeking a closer walk with you. Father, I, I want to thank you again for Calvary in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for our men that have started Bible colleges around our country. They've started them with a great burden and a great passion to train young preachers for the ministry. Um, but it appears to be that a lot of our colleges are graduating career men of God. And uh, please, I am not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm merely giving, um, thank you, truth. Our Bible colleges are graduating career men of God who know the ins and outs of ministry, but know very little bit, very little of how to tap into the power powerful resources that God has in store for our use, the powerful resources. Um, one man said the difference between a man of God and a great man of God is the touch of God. If we'll try and do any ministry, uh, and I'll even say if you even try and have a devotion, a family devotion without the touch of God, you might as well go turn on episode 92 of Andy Griffith and... Because even the devotion leader is going to have to have a touch of God in his home front. But a touch of God cannot be instructed in a classroom and it can't be obtained during a meeting. It just can't. Uh, it's got to be done through humility and prayer. Uh, I preached a message. Uh, actually, it was the title of the book long before I had the book written, God's Approval on Your Ministry, in one of the fundamental colleges which, by the way, is no longer fundamental, which is sad. But not, not long after, I received a note um, from an email, or a note in an email from a student, and this is what he said. Up until now, I have depended on what I can do through the books I have read and the methods I have learned in starting a church. The, he had never heard a message on fasting. But I have realized that unless the Lord build the church, I'll be laboring in vain, trying to build it myself. 
What I need is the time alone with God, fasting and praying for God's power, and His hand upon me as I try to do a work for Him. So I'm looking forward to studying about this subject of fasting. Uh, the whole reason I believe the Lord had me write this book, honestly, is to awake um, our contemporary Christian movement uh, to understand that this, this still works. It's not an outdated Old Testament way to meet with the Lord. It, it, it's not. It's incredible. It, it's magnificent. Um, on the instructive fashion that we're, uh, the format that we've laid out for this, I, I want to just give you some, really some nuts and bolts of this this morning. Uh, some reasons why people fasted in the Bible. And again, there are some copies that I brought. You can speak with your pastor about getting a copy. You can always email me and uh, receive a, a copy. Actually, you can get them at our home office uh, at Rock of Ages. They're available there too. Um, so if, if the Lord's directing you that way, and you're going to read it, get the book and read it. It'll be a help to you. In Judges chapter number 20, verses 22 through 26, the fast was to receive counsel from the Lord. In Samuel 1 and 7, Hannah fasted for God to open up her womb. In 1 Samuel 7, 1 through 6, in confession and repentance towards sin and preparation to serve the Lord. Jesus fasted 40 days before he went into his earthly ministry. 1 Samuel 31 was a mourning for the death of Saul. In 2 Samuel, David fasted for the health of his child. And we know in 2 Samuel 12, that prayer was answered by God taking the child home. And David getting back up, getting something to eat. And in the same chapter, called to service by his general, Joab said, come take this city or they're going to say I did it. And we see King David jumping right back into battle. He went right back at it. Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. They fasted for fear of a great war. Ahab fasted in 1 Kings 21 as he begged God for mercy. Ezra proclaimed a fast to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones and for our substance. He fasted for his children. Nehemiah fasted after hearing news of the condition of his people in Jerusalem. In Nehemiah 9, they fasted uh, while confessing their sins. Wouldn't be a whole lot of eating getting done if we spent time doing that, would we? Psalm 35, David fasted for his enemies. Whoa. <laughs> fasted and prayed for his enemies. I, of course, we can implement Matthew 5.44 in that particular instance. Daniel 6.18, King Darius fasted for Daniel when he was in the lion's den. Uh, he fasted for a friend. In need. In Daniel 9, in confession and repentance again for sin. In Daniel 10, Daniel was in mourning because of the condition of the people. I do like to note in verse 12 of this chapter, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard.
and I am come for thy words. It moves God. It moves him into action. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's enough to make a Presbyterian shout, amen. In Jonah chapter 3, the king proclaimed a fast because of a repentant heart. Again, it was to beg God for mercy. In the book of Joel chapter 2 verse 12, God commands the people to turn to him with all their hearts uh, in repentance to weep and to fast. God commanded them to fast. Zechariah 8 and 19, it was to express joy and gladness and cheerfulness, the love of truth and peace. It was part of religious practices. The Jewish people to this day still have what they call the Esther fast. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a time to rejoice for the salvation of the Jewish people. In Zechariah 8 and 19, or in Matthew 4 and 2, uh, Jesus fasted 40 days in preparation for his ministry. Matthew 17, 21 was the extraordinary manifestation of the hand of God can only come through prayer and fasting. Mark 14, Jesus fasted from sleep while praying. Probably the most difficult fast there is to try and stay awake. The disciples failed greatly and I fall in line with them often. Luke 2, Anna served God with fastings. Acts 10, Cornelius, a Gentile, was fasting because he feared God and wanted his people to know the truth. Even a lost man understood the practice of fasting and got God's answer. Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas fasted as they prepared to leave uh, on their mission. Acts 14, in the delivering of a charge to the elders of the church. In Acts 27, the men in the boat were fasting because it looked like sure doom. In 1 Corinthians, they fasted to keep the devil from tempting you with sexual thoughts and actions. So as you can see, this brief summary of some of the reasons, that's 26 of them. Um, I'll bet we could all find our own reasons to fast and, and to pray, couldn't we? Well, again, in this instructive, I almost said destructive format, in this instructive format, there are different types of fasts. There's the absolute fast in the Bible. That's when you do not drink and you do not eat. That's an absolute fast. Uh, Esther um, proclaimed that fast. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me, neither eat nor drink three days. Um, three days, night, or day. Now this particular fast was, giving, was given a directive on the amount of time as well. The directive was, do it for three days. Going beyond three days without water is very, very, very difficult. You can do it quite easily with food, but with water, oh my. My family and I entered into an Esther fast for what we felt was a pretty good reason. It was a Jewish friend of ours that was dying of cancer and he was lost. Um, we would enter into this Esther fast and begin to beg and plead with the Lord to save. His name was Buzz before he would pass. As far as we 
as far as Buzz making a profession to us, it never happened, Brother Charlie, but when they cleaned out his room on his calendar in three different places, he said, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I think he may have got it. And I hope and pray we'll see him in heaven someday. If not, as he stands at the judgment, great white throne judgment, our hands will be clean. <clears throat> not only was Mordecai's life and the entire Jewish race in danger, but you see, <clears throat> Esther herself was in jeopardy because she too was a Jew. There's great power in corporate prayer and fasting. There is... I would listen carefully if your pastor would call the church to pray and fast for a certain amount of period. I'd listen carefully to it and, and enjoy in it. Um, a church I read in, in um, one of the books that I, I've noted in the, in the back, I'm Lonnie Floyd, I believe the, the title is The Power of Prayer and Fasting, I'm pretty sure that was the title. But when he understood the concept of fasting, he started what was called a, a fasting calendar in the church. Now, it wasn't just for anybody. It was for men of God that were separated. Men, not, uh, not necessarily uh, males, but people that were in such a separated fashion that they wanted to serve God. They had a calendar 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every single week of the year, someone was fasting for that ministry and for their pastor. Boy, he, he began to list some of the great things that was happening in his church. It really blew my mind. It's amazing, some of the stories that's in that particular book. Um, we also see this absolute fast practiced by Paul directly after his conversion. He was three days, night, or without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. In today's world, God's not knocking people over, speaking directly to them in an audible voice from heaven, is He? <laughs> if so, we'd probably see more people concerned about what God wants them to do with the rest of their life. For Paul said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Today, faith is the key element needed for salvation, separation, and service. We must believe that the practices of this book are still applicable for this day. Paul was so overwhelmed by God's saving grace that he wanted to know his perfect will for his life. There's a perfect will and there's a permissive will. I believe a lot of us are living in a permissive will. God says, it's okay, this is all right. Uh, but as uh, Brother Rick Hildebrand would say, good, better, best, don't let it rest till you're good, you're better, and you're better, you're best. Amen. <laughs> he may have something greater for you to do. I believe also due to the Apostle Paul's legalistic belief, he was no stranger to fasting, but now he exercised fasting to fall completely into God's will. One preacher said it this way, we need to fall asleep in the will of God. <laughs> wow. This is great advice uh, one could ever receive uh, and incorporate into their life. It's, it's fantastic advice. It was evident in Paul's life uh, it was evident that Paul was in fear for his life. The Bible says, and when he trembled and astonished, he was in fear. He said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You know what? I, uh, I'm glad I don't have to live in fear because God's not giving me the spirit of fear. But if I had to wonder what God was going to do to me because of my sin, I'd, I'd tremble and astonish as well. It must have thrilled him when the Lord said, arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what he must do.
Boy, if we would just fear the Almighty God today, seeking Him. Ezra, uh, as an act of mourning, also exercised the absolute fast in Ezra 10.6. Ezra rose up from before the house of God, went into the chamber of Johanna and the son of, uh, the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgressions uh, that had been um, carried away. The absolute fast is definitely one that is exercising during a time of great need or sorrow. With this discipline, you definitely will get the attention of God in a powerful way. Amen. Uh, you're totally emptying yourself of all physical strength and allowing the spiritual strength of God to propel you into your, the rest of your life. Now, can I say this again? You're not going to back God into a corner and cause Him to answer the prayer you, the way you desire. If that's the reason you're fasting, you're just on a hunger strike. Go get you a biscuit and have a good time. You enter into the fast giving God, if you will, you have this ability to either give God permission to answer your prayer request the way He chooses, or you can... Just get mad at him if it doesn't work your way. I, I can guarantee it's a whole lot better to allow him the privilege. Water only fast or a complete fast um, is when you do not eat but you drink water. And I believe this was the fast that the Lord displayed for us uh, when he was in the wilderness. Because in those days he did eat nothing and when they were ended he afterward a hungered. Um, I love the juvenile part of our ministry. It was uh, like Brother Michael asked me yesterday, do you think those were the good old days? Well, I know I had a lot of wonderful times with these young men and the older men uh, during those particular times. Going from the juvenile department over into the international department was one of the hardest moves I had to make. Uh, I had in Scripture, the Lord had given me a Scripture to make the move. In Psalm 2 and 8, ask of me, I'll give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the world for thy possession. And for three different, three different years in a row, the Lord would, one of those months out of the 12 months of reading it, God would highlight that verse to me. And I would make my surrender, but I wanted complete confirmation, so I entered into a 40-day water-only fast with the Lord. I say that not to bring any glory to myself, but if Jesus wanted, Jesus would fast for 40 days uh, before his earthly ministry, I, and I had taught it in Bible colleges and been teaching it in my preaching in different places, if you want to know the perfect will of God for your life as far as ministry goes, enter into a fast. And somewhere around 28 days, I got my verse, amen, when the Lord told young Timothy, Paul told young Timothy to do the work of the evangelist. Amen. I had her nailed down. I got my scripture and I've, I've hit the road and I've been having a wonderful time since. It's amazing what God's done. The water only fast is quite possibly the fast most commonly known to, ch uh, to Christians today. There's a great need to make Christians aware of the other types of fasting recorded in the Bible as well because... Um, there's a lot of physical limitations, especially when we begin to get a little bit older. 
I guess I was, let's see, I guess I was right around um, 46 or 7 when I did that particular fast, somewhere around there. Um, Dr. Garris would tell me, Brother Van Horn, he said, uh, when you do these kind of fasting, he said, you got to do it when you're young because when you get older, there'll be some physical limitations. Oh, but wait a minute, you're not off the hook because there's other means. The normal fast is one, of, is one that's probably the most practiced because in this fast, you don't eat any solid food, but you rather drink juices or fruit, juice, fruit juices or, or vitamin drinks. And it's always for that period of time that you determine. Honestly, most of the time, it seems to be one or two days. Sometimes a lot of people will just do a 24-hour period, say right after lunch, you're really missing, you're skipping your, your um, evening meal, you're skipping breakfast, and you're going up to lunch and, and having a meal at lunch after uh, that 24-hour period. period. Um, I will explain more about other ways to fast in a moment. But there is a supernatural fast that's illustrated for us in the Bible uh, by Moses' 80-day fast with no food or water. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 9, 9, when I, <clears throat> when I was gone up into the mountain to receive the tables of stones, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. Neither did I eat bread nor drink water. Now during this time, God delivered, the Mo delivered to Moses of the Ten Commandments written with his own finger. After that forty-day period was up... <clears throat> Moses went down to the people that had fallen into sin. I mean, uh, Moses' AP was spineless. The people got a hold of, of, uh, of Aaron and said, Where is this Moses? We want you to make us a god. And he fell into the trap and, and made that, that golden calf. <clears throat> when Moses arrived out of anger, he threw those tables of stone down to the ground and they broke into pieces, and he fell on his face before God and entered into another 40-day fast. In Deuteronomy 9.18, he says, And I fell down before the Lord as the first 40 days and 40 nights. I did eat, uh, neither eat bread nor drink water because of all of your sins which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to broke him to anger. Nobody alive can do a 80-day, no food, no water fast. Unless God did it in them. In verse 14, we see that God angered by the sins of the people. He was angered and he said to Moses, let me alone and I'm going to destroy them. And blot them out, he said, and blot their name out from under heaven. And I will make thee a nation mightier and greater than they. But I'm, tell I'm, I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed with the love that Moses had for his people. And, and that's what you get when you have a man of God that loves his flock. God called Moses to himself first. Moses uh, enjoyed the presence. You've enjoyed the presence of God. And then God said, okay, Brother Charlie, uh, um, you love me and I've instructed you. Now, now go back to the people. And he sent him down to the people. Elijah also experienced a 40-day supernatural fast when he was fed by the angels. And he went on a 40-day journey without any uh, other food. Um, the angel of the Lord came 
again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went into the strength of the meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb and in the Mount of God. This verse does seem to suggest that he did not drink water, um, but he may had. I have take, come to the conclusion that said he did eat and drink, that he probably was part of a supernatural fast as well. But there is a great resemblance between Elijah and Moses. As we've seen, both of them experience these supernatural fasts that really can only be explained by the direct intervention uh, of God. Both supernatural fasts, or both, of, uh, both had these supernatural endings of their lives as well. Uh, Moses died, but they didn't bury him, couldn't find his body, and Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind. There's just something to do with that special touch. But here's what's called the partial fast. It's obtaining, abstaining from pleasure or from certain foods. This fast is recorded for us in the story of Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, when they wouldn't defile themselves and eat the king's meat. Proverbs 23, 2 says, And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Limiting your diet to certain foods can be considered a partial fast. Now, if you make a diet of Big Macs and Whoppers, it'd be a real good idea to put them to a side and start eating healthy. Um, but we know that these three men wanted to, didn't want to eat the meat that had been offered to false gods. Uh, so they had the, the Daniel fast, as we call it. Of course, we know that his fast worked, and he was granted the, his request to eat the foods of his choice. But look at the results of it. Daniel's loyalty to God caused the king to declare his God as the one and true God. Honestly, church, our separated life, the mystery of godliness, the application of the solitude times, the application of discipline in our study, is to build a Christian that is able to be strong in the battle. What battle? Telling others about Christ. That person that gets to a point where they're one with God. Jesus Christ didn't come to this earth to show everybody that He was God. And just walk around and heal people. And, and that was part of what He did, of course. But the Bible says He came to seek and to save that which is lost. The holy godly person that has found the spot where him and God meets together will pull up alongside of a truck driver on the way to work, roll the window down and say, here you go, young man. Just want to let you know the Lord loves you today. You be safe out there. You know Jesus is your Savior? And a big smile underneath that mask because you can see his eyes raise up. And say, oh yeah, I got saved when I was a kid. And no doubt in my mind, he got in that truck this morning, and when he fired that thing up, and he's riding down the road, he went back to that time when he got saved. Maybe he's back singing some of those songs, and, and who knows, maybe he's getting himself right with God. Because the purpose of the godly man is to display Christ, as well as to tell others about Christ. 
Then King Darius wrote unto the people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Does your Christianity cause the world to think that? That's the purpose of it. We see a fast from a certain pleasure demonstrated by King Darius when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And the king went into the palace and passed, uh, and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought for him. And his sleep went from him. In this passage, uh, the king fasted, but not only from food and also from sleep, but also from, from pleasure. Music brings pleasure. This allowed King Darius to stay focused on the need at hand and be diligent in his prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It is quite possible that King Darius learned this practice by observing his servant, Daniel, during some of his seasons of fast, fasting. Why aren't you eating, Daniel? Well, I'm meeting with the Lord today. Yeah. When you're willing to give up something that you enjoy as a reminder of pray, a reminder to pray, it will amaze you, it will amaze you how many times your request will come back to your mind. Brother Chris Hooker, one of, the, one of our missionaries, was on his way to a prison revival, and, and a young man uh, T-boned him. It was a four-lane with a turn lane, and a young man ran the stop sign, hit him in the side, pushed him over to a log truck that was in the left-hand turn lane, causing him to hit it head-on. Left Chris paralyzed from the neck down. It was the exact same injury that um, Superman, what was his name? Christopher Reeves had and died of in six years, which is the average life expectancy of a man with that particular um, uh, injury. Now, I love coffee. Uh, but the Lord spoke to my heart as I was praying for Chris. And I had understood this practice. And he said, will you give me your coffee? For 13 years, I didn't put a, a drop of coffee to my lips. You say, well, what's that have to do with I can promise you there's no one person other than my family in this world that I've ever prayed for more than Chris Hooker. He lasted 13 years, almost twice, well, at least twice as long as the average person. Brother Chris had prayed and asked God to let his last half of his ministry be more productive than the first half. Brother Chris would, through the Treasures Investors Ministry, raise $1,000 a month for years for our ministry, for the print shop, from a wheelchair. Regardless of what you think of President George W. Bush, when the moment he declared war and sent the troops over, thank you for serving, Brother Michael, he fasted from eating sweets. And then the next president brought in a beer brewery into the kitchen. There's also clear instruction for the partial fast that's shared by married couples. 
if both parties consent, the wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Marriage is honorable above all things, and the bed undefiled. But adulterers and whoremongers God will judge. That bedroom is a sacred place for a husband and a wife to commune together and to enjoy each other. And the Bible says your body's not yours and hers is not hers. You're to come together and enjoy that oneness. He said, defraud ye not one the other except it be with consent for a time that ye give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your inconsistency. The word inconsistency has the meaning of not being able to restrain your passions. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like being tempted by the devil. And if God says, if you, your husband and wife, can consent together and say, well, not tonight. Let's just pray and ask God to help our marriage. Wow. It's amazing. I preached on the partial fasting one time while I was in a little church in Illinois. You see, anybody can fast from coffee or one kid in prison said he was going to fast from cussing. <laughs> uh, you can fast from about anything, any pleasure, okay? Uh, whatever your pleasure is that you like to do, put it off to the side for whatever reason God's put on your heart. And uh, one lady come up to me, an elderly lady with tears in her eyes, just streaming down. And she grabbed a hold of my hand and squeezed it. And she says, I have a lost son. And Brother Charlie, she says, I know what I can give up. Wow. There's so much more I could talk about. The lengths of fast, the, the 10 days, the 7 days, the, the 40 days, so on and so forth. But there's no specific time to fast. You and God decide that. And please be careful. Uh, if you have medical problems... Please be careful. Don't just jump into this thing. You may want to consult with a doctor. You may want to uh, talk to him. Now, if he's a lost doctor, you may not completely understand. But please be careful. God doesn't want you to kill yourself while you're praying. Amen? Um, but however the Lord works, whatever you vow to do, keep the vow. Uh, even when you're in the middle of it with the headache, with the knees banging together because there, <laughs> there's a lot of myths to it as well. But just make sure whatever you vow to God, you do what you vowed. Amen. And uh, God will definitely help you through it. Father, again, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for how you've been working in this meeting. And uh, I just pray, Father, that you would help us as well to seek and save those which are lost. Thank you for your beautiful dear son coming to rescue us in Christ's name.